welcome all of you. We're so glad that you have come and most of you ate with us. I could tell how the cooks were about to collapse that most of you ate with us. We appreciate your coming and being a part of the celebration of First Southern's 25th anniversary. It's been a glorious, great, God-blessed, enriched 25 years. We'll have a little historical, uh, maybe hysterical summary uh, a little bit later and uh, relate to you the various pastors and we even have a statistic of how many have been baptized since this church has been in existence, how many have come by letter, and uh, the total value of the church property and how God has blessed it and, uh, in these 25 years. Really about 28 years ago, there came the idea of a pastor by the name of Dr. Willis Howard, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Oklahoma City, to establish a mission out in the wilderness uh, east of his church. And uh, that little effort was started with finances and uh, leadership of uh, that good church in Oklahoma City. Since that time, of course, this church has become the fourth or fifth largest church of the 30,000-plus Southern Baptist churches in the world. And God has chosen to bless it, approaching uh, well over, of course, it's well over 9,000 members. I'm sure that within a year or less, God will see this church over 10,000 in membership. It's been an unbelievable 25 years of growth and blessings, and all of that is due, of course, to God's grace upon us. And uh, I can't think of any better people God could have chosen to bless. Had I been God, I would have blessed you too. <laughs> because I've just been here two and a half years, and I don't know of any people on earth like you. And I'm grateful for you and for the kind of people you are. The pastor of that little mission at that time that came and they chopped weeds and, and uh, digged in the dirt and uh, established a little building, and he'll tell us more about that, was a man by the name of John Wiles who came in 1948, left in 1950, went to Southern Seminary where he graduated, then other churches, and presently is pastor of the First Baptist Church of Graham, Texas. He'll be coming in just a moment. Then, of course, Brother John Bassanio is going to come after a little bit more music. And then later on, Brother Jimmy Draper uh, will preach. John Wiles, the first pastor as we began, we began as a mission. The first pastor, of course, when it became a church, was Brother Branson. But I want you to welcome John Wiles, the first pastor of the mission that became First Southern Baptist Church. John, you come. I wondered many times when Dr. Willis Howard asked me first in the living room of my home where mother and daddy were having Dr. Howard in their home. I was there at home at the time. He asked me if I would like to come and help him start a mission. And I just thought that was the greatest idea in the world. I had a great longing in my heart to get started. I had graduated from OBU, and uh, I had a girl up there on the campus at the time, and I sure would like to have been close to her. And to have been in Oklahoma City, you know, that would have been so much closer. And I thought it'd be great to be able to serve the Lord too, 
And I came up here and uh, had a wonderful time with you. I, I have shared with Ruth many times the things that happened before we got married. I want you to see her. Stand up, Ruth. We were united in marriage when I was here at Dell City. We began first by gathering up a group of people. We wandered through the town and tried to take a census, and we gathered up some folks that would like to see a church in Dell City. And uh, we all went together one night down to the First Baptist Church, down in the big town, and joined the church so we could constitute a mission. We joined the First Baptist Church. And then we began to meet on Thursday nights in the home of Brother and Mrs. Tartar. And we met regularly on Thursday nights in that home until it was in August of 48. We put up a tent on the lot that was to be the place where we were to have our church house. We put a tent up there. Brother Guy Bellamy helped me get that tent put together. I swore then that I would never, ever use a tent again. And I have not, praise the Lord. It blew down twice, and we had to put it up for the evening service. But during that week of revival, there was a man who was saved that blessed my life and had thrilled me and has been an inspiration to me across these years. And he was the first man that we baptized in Dell City, Connie Ferguson. Connie, are you here? Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Connie and I used to drink a lot of coffee together. He helped a young preacher. He helped me so very much in so many ways, a young Christian helping me grow. He was such a thrill to my life and has been across the years. I shall never forget when Connie came to tell me about when he started tithing. He said, you know, preacher, you promised me that if I'd start tithing and I didn't have enough money to buy groceries that you'd buy it for us. <laughs> I did. And Connie came and uh, he said, I want you to know that Nancy cooks that same roast, you know. We always have roast for dinner on Sunday. Roast and potatoes and all those good things. And normally we have hash on Monday night. But he says, now you know that roast lasts till about Thursday and we don't have hash till Thursday. <laughs> the Lord looks after you when you pay your tithe. And he does. But you have seen a wonderful work of God. You have seen the moving of the Spirit of God, the transformation of the grace of God, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus coming alive in your lives again and again. Not only do you have those people who now come week by week and become a part of the witnessing community, but you have also participated in sending out from you around this world literally thousands of people who bless the lives of others 
all over this world. And this is God's business. This is the way God does it. You know, in the Great Commission, it's so wonderful that our Savior said, now then, as you go, he's going to see to the business of our going. As you go, if you will make disciples and baptize and teach, then I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And as people have been going out from this place where Jesus is real, where Christ has been preached, where you have been sure of the fullness of the Spirit of God in your own life, God's been blessing the world. We sang a few moments ago about old-time religion. That's a great song. That took me back to old-time religion ideas I have. I guess all of us have some concepts. And you know, really, I'm the old man up here today. I really am. Johnny, you kids, you know, <laughs> came after. I reminded my daddy that I was going to be the old man today. And I said, now I want you to know that when I'm the old man, that makes you an even older man. <clears throat> At 78, he still doesn't think he's old. But as I look back in my life, these some 50 years, I've seen a lot of things happen in the cause of Christ and the way people have come to know Christ as Savior and the moving of the Spirit of God. I thank God that I had the privilege and joy as a child growing up of seeing the mighty hand of God in the lives of people, of being in great heartwarming churches where my life was changed and my life was challenged. And I remember those times when the outpouring of the Spirit of God would come upon the people. I remember those times I heard old Dr. C.E. Matthews preach and those wonderful times I've seen that old handkerchief go up in the air and come down as a victory would come from the Lord and Dr. Matthews knew that what he called about, what he talked about, the revival had broken and the Spirit of God was coming and people were coming to know Jesus. Those were thrilling times for me. But you know, that's not old-time religion. Not really. And I look even further back in the life of the people of God and I think of those great movings of the Spirit of God in the lives of people. For example, in the very beginning days of our nation, when there was a Presbyterian preacher by the name of McCready who began to preach under the power of God and a whole section of the nation was transformed. And the power of God fell upon Kentucky and Virginia and Tennessee. And we had a great revival grow out of the westward movement, finally to spill over onto the eastern seaboard. But you know, even that was not genuine old-time religion. Even when John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield were calling the people out into the open, an unusual, unprecedented thing at that time, in order that they might get the ear of the people. And God was moving upon them. Even that is not old-time religion. I wonder if we want it. I wonder if we'd like it, if we had it. Old-time religion, old-time religion, you go even further back, would we Baptists like to have the old-time religion of John Huss? 
I don't know whether we've got that kind of religion, the kind of a relationship with Jesus Christ that we would stand for the conviction that only a believer is to be immersed in water as, as believers' baptism and stand for that conviction if they tied a rock about our neck and cast us into the river and said, okay, we'll baptize you then real good. Would you be drowned for old-time religion? Or what about that kind of religion that call for those great souls who thrill me every time I read again, who stood in that Colosseum singing praises to Jesus, praising his blessed name as they would turn loose on them, the wild beasts. I don't know that kind of old-time religion. But I want it. Oh, how this needy world wants it. I want you to look with me at what I'd like to have happen in my own church where I serve and in your church and across our nation and around this world. Old-time religion, I think we can find the best example of it, Bible old-time religion. And we're people of the Bible, aren't we? In the book of Acts chapter 2, you know the story so well. Peter had preached the day of Pentecost had come. Holy Spirit of God had been poured out upon all flesh. Men had cried, oh men, then what must we do? What must we do? And Peter had said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to, to your children, to all who are far off and to everyone whom the Lord our, our God calls to him. And he testified to them many other words, and he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added unto them that day about 3,000 souls. And this is what they did in old-time religion, I want you to see. They devoted themselves, they gave themselves steadfastly to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, the prayers. If I understand what the Bible teaches about a New Testament church, friend, this is a New Testament church. This is the moving of the Spirit of God upon the lives of people transformed by His grace. First of all, there is that number one thing that we give ourselves to it steadfastly, that we give our, ourselves to it devotedly, that we give ourselves to it regardless of what it costs. All bridges burned behind. We're talking here about a whole way of life. We're not talking about a joiner. We got enough joiners. We don't need any more joiners in my church. I've got enough people who've joined us. I need some people with old time religion. I need people with such an experience of grace in Christ that their life has been transformed and they have these characteristics 
that first of all they become devoted, steadfast, all the way to the end. Now we Baptists have been guilty of preaching a cheap grace where we have led people to believe that you can just come and walk the aisle and get ducked in a Baptist pool and be a member of a Baptist church and live like the devil and everything's going to be all right and you're going to go to heaven. But my friend, listen to me. If your faith fizzles out before the finish, there was a flaw in your faith from the first. Only those are true believers who hold out faithful to the end and their grand, their persevering attachment to Christ is the grand mark that distinguishes them from superficial professors. The same Lord that says, that said, he that hears my word and believes him that sent me has everlasting life also said, he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. All the way to the end. My friend, this is what it means to die to self, to be alive in Christ Jesus. We belong to him, devoted, committed, steadfast. And when this is true about us, then we have these characteristics. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. You may have a translation that says dogma. They didn't give themselves to dogma. That's what is normally translated doctrine. They gave themselves to the didache, to the teaching of the apostles. They gave themselves to that which God had revealed to them and the apostles' teaching was scripture, friend. They preached Jesus from this Old Testament. Go back and read again those marvelous sermons in the book of Acts, those texts, those men used, they preached Jesus from the Old Testament. They gave themselves to the scripture, to the teaching of the word of God, to that which God had revealed to them. Now listen, friend, until we again become a people of the book, not just a people of the book that the preacher spouts, not just the people of the book that we memorize a few little cliches, but I mean until you and I become a people who are immersed in and bathed in and committed to all that God says in his word. We can't be God's people. And most of us spend far more time shaving our face, putting on our face, reading the paper, brushing our teeth, doing anything in the world, but with God's holy word. Oh, listen to me, my friend. You haven't got time to read the paper till you've read God's word. Oh, you haven't got time. Don't tell me. Don't tell me you don't have time to spend with the word of God. All people tell me they, they just can't, they just don't know very much about the Bible. But you can remember telephone numbers, you can remember people's names, you can remember all of these things about your responsibilities on the job. Your primary responsibility, your number one job is to know the Word, the Word of God. They continued steadfastly in that apostle's teaching. They kept straight with the Word. 
Not only that, they gave themselves then also to the fellowship. There's that definite article there, just as well, the fellowship. I could not begin to tell you, we could not begin to describe or explain what it is to belong to the koinonia, the fellowship, but they explained it, I suppose, as well as any. For you see, they just made themselves vulnerable to one another. They made available to one another all that they were. They gave themselves to one another. They became that microcosm of the love of God for a whole world to see. That witness that was theirs was not, behold, look at the mighty, wonderful program, listen to the preacher and how he preaches, look at what they're doing downtown. Oh, that was, behold, how they love one another. Behold, how they love one another. They gave themselves to the fellowship. They gave themselves to the commitment of their lives to one another. The only way, my friend, you can show the love of Jesus Christ is to give your life away. And we begin in the fellowship. We begin where we are in the family. We become vulnerable to one another. We open ourselves to be exactly who we are. Did you know of all the places in all the world where we are less like we are than any place? It is a church. We put on our church clothes. We put on our church face. We use our church language. We use the these and the vows and the holies. And we go, come to church and we, we act churchy when we're at church. And we think this is being religious. Oh, not so, not at all, my friend. When they were together, they were who they really were, like you are at home, like you are at home. The fellowship is like the family. It's the family, the very family of God. We're brothers in the Lord. We have the same heavenly Father. We have the same Savior who died for us, our elder brother. Brothers in the Lord. Why, they didn't, they didn't even think twice about knowing that you have a claim on all that's mine as I have a claim on all that's yours. Your time, your love, your energy, your money, your property. We belong to one another. They gave themselves to the fellowship. We think people get a little bit, no, a little bit pushy with us when we are asked to give a tenth of our income to the Lord. They gave themselves to the fellowship. This is what Paul said about those Macedonian Christians when he took an offering. He was so amazed that these, out of their poverty, it overflowed into a wealth of liberality and they first gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Well, that's what the fellowship always leads to. Later you find in that very same chapter where you have the picture of day by day attending the temple together and from house to house, from house to house. Oh, they knew one another. They spent time with one another. 
they gave themselves to the breaking of bread. There is not any more wonderful thing that you can do with your friend than to share food. That's why it is that such a thing as we've had this very afternoon is so biblical. I'm always amazed at these people who think it's wrong to eat church, eat a church. Why, the most common thing that was done in the first church was to eat together. They would come together and eat together before they'd do anything, and more often than anything. That's right. Day by day, they, they lived together. They belonged to one another. And herein they gave themselves to the breaking of bread. Oh, listen to me, my friend. We've lost the concept of the breaking of bread with one another, the sharing of all that we are. We don't know one another. We feel pretty comfortable if we even know one another's names in our churches nowadays. But they broke bread together. And they gave themselves to the prayers. The prayers. Also, there's the definite article again. The most characteristic thing about a person who is living and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom Christ is real, you just must talk to him. You just have to speak to him. There has to be that time with Jesus. There has to be that time of prayer. Now listen to me. Now I want you to hear this. When they gave themselves to these, to these four simple things, the apostles' teaching, when they gave themselves to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, then God began to do some things. He continued to do some things, rather we should say. But if you look again at this passage, you see that fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles and all who believed were together in a, and all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, the Lord, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now listen, friend, this is old-time religion, if I understand it. When God's people, when people come to have a transforming experience of giving their life to Jesus Christ and having the fullness of the Spirit of God to come and dwell, and then it characterizes the life that I give myself, you give yourself to the apostles' teaching. There is that bathing of my life in the Word of God. There is that giving of myself to the people of God. There is that breaking of all that I have to share in the breaking of bread with the brethren. There is that sharing 
of the very body of Jesus Christ because I become caught up in, involved in, part of, an instrument in the body of Christ. And together we talk to the mighty Savior. God's Spirit moves upon the life of that believing people. God's Spirit moves in that life, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord begins to save folks day by day. That's old-time religion. That's the kind I want. That's the kind I want for you to continue, to grow, to catch fire. Already, God has been using you. You are having a part in a moving of the Spirit of God that is an inspiration. But friend, there's so much more God wants to do. There's so many places and people we Baptist people are not touching the real centers of need in our world. We have yet to lay hold on the real bleeding of humanity, even in America. We have yet to be the people of God. And we cannot be until we give ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. Shall we bow our heads? Our Father in heaven, for your great goodness, for your protection, for your provision, for the mighty witness of your power, for your personal presence, we praise your name. Lord, we want to thank you for those whom you've used across the years out of the life of this church to bring others to know you, to have lives changed and homes united. We thank you too, dear Jesus, that you've given to us the privilege of having a part together. Now, our Father, we pray that you'd lead us in that way. We've never, we've not yet dared to walk as we want to walk. Bring us to that time when we'll walk in such a fullness of your presence that people can see nothing but the power of God and the witness of the love of Jesus because we pray it in his holy name. Amen.
Be seated, Clyde. Jeannie. 